Welcome back into another bonus episode of Boys Don't Lie, the podcast. I am Owen Burke. Let me let me start by saying that feels it feels so good to say that again. Uh, it's been a very long time since I've been able to say that. Um, so let me kind of recap what's going on in my life, how I'm doing. We'll get into uh, today's going to be top ten D tackles. Actually, that's why you're here. That's what you clicked on. Aaron Donald, all the thing. We're going to get into it. I'm going to catch y'all up, let y'all know where we're at uh, in the series, how that stuff's going, and why this is coming out when it is, da-da-da-da-da, whatever, whatever, yada-yada-yada, yeah, all that stuff. Um, so basically, I ain't going to lie to you. As Samara would say, I'm going to keep it a bean with you. Um, I've I've been lacking. Now, I have been busy. I've been working a lot, um, a lot more than I'm used to. There's definitely people out there that work way more than I do. I have no complaints with how long I work or whatever like that, but it's not something I've been used to. It's kind of thrown my schedule off. Um, so I've been procrastinating a lot. I've been, you work more. It makes you, you know, all the free time that you do have after you start working more, it makes you want to do only things that you want to do, not do work, which don't get me wrong. I do love doing this. I want to do this, but it's just one of those things like I ain't, I ain't gonna lie to you. Madden twenty two comes out, you know, on on a Friday, and I haven't done a bonus yet, or you know, it's supposed to come out that that day or on Saturday or Sunday, and I've been working, you know, eight to four, eight to five all week, the entire week, which I'm not used to. I'm working part time at Dick Sporting Goods. I'm not used to getting full time hours or anything like that. So all of a sudden, those hours kick up. And now I've got I got six hours to do what I want to do. Madden just came out, and I got two bonuses to do. I ain't gonna lie to you. I played Madden for as long as physically possible until I couldn't stay awake anymore. Uh, and then I did that like four or five times. So here we are. We're definitely a little late, but today we got D tackles. We got uh, edge rushers coming up. I'm gonna combine edge rushers. I think it's gonna be a little bit more difficult of a list to put together, but I think I mean that's I think it's better content for everybody. Uh, it really makes me think about. DNs versus edge rushers, the versatilities, if you could play between a 3-4 and a 4-3, yada, 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 whatever. Hopefully that doesn't become a theme. I just realized that I've already said that twice now. I don't want to keep doing that. So hopefully I can break that streak for the end of the show. But today we're doing TTs. Uh, DTs today, we're doing uh, edge rushers will be the next one up, then linebackers, and then corners and safeties will round out the defense. That's going to be me and Sam doing those. I'm very excited to do both of those with him as well. So I'm very excited to be here. I'm ready to get into it. Before I get into it, another thing. We've covered what's going on with me for y'all. Thank you guys for being here. I appreciate all of you so, so much. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to season two every day, month, you know, not month, every second, minute, day, month, week, whatever you want to. We're getting closer to season two. I'm very, very excited to get back uh, on the airwaves with Shay and Sam. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff cooking. Um, I've got some some solo stuff cooking up. Shay's been in the lab with a lot of his solo stuff. He's been in the lab with all three of our solo stuff, to be real with you. Um, he's, you know, I can't speak to how much that guy does behind the scenes. Uh, everything that you see production-wise, the, 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 the artwork, uh, Raymond does a great job on the artwork, so shout out my guy Ray as well. Uh, but those two guys are the creative geniuses behind it. Me and Sam are just a, two extra voices and I just try to bring what I can to the table. So I wouldn't be here without those guys. I definitely wouldn't be here without the fans, without y'all. Uh, and I definitely wouldn't be here without Anchor either. Uh, big shout-out to Anchor as well. One-stop shop for anything podcasting. If you guys are looking to get into podcasting, 
Anchor is definitely the easiest way to do it. One click of a button, boom, bam, you're done. You're up on six apps, and now you got people can listen to you no matter if they're Spotify users, Apple Music, if they like to use SoundCloud, if they like to go into more into like Pocket Cast and stuff like that. All the apps are covered on Anchor, man. It is, like I said, that's the best way that I can describe it is the one-stop shop for making your own podcast, man. It is one click of a button. It's that simple. So thank you to them. Thank you to Shay, Sam, Raymond for holding me down on the side. I appreciate them. Thank you for y'all for listening. Let's get into today's bonus. I'm excited. Top 10 defensive tackles. Top 10 interior linemen, I guess. Nose tackles, obviously. Give some nose tackles some love. You don't see them a lot. You don't hear about them a lot. Definitely not. Most people just think that they're just a different type of D-tackle. So, top 10 interior offense or interior defensive linemen today. Almost fumbled right out the gate. Um... I'm gonna I'm gonna come do I wanna do I wanna do honorable mentions first? I think I may I'm gonna do honorable mentions first. So these are the guys that just missed the list. There are a couple guys that just scraped out. Two guys in particular. Leonard Williams of the New York Giants is on my honorable mention list. Um great. Now they just paid him. They just paid him, I believe, last year it was like a four year, sixty million dollar deal. It's a lot of money. I've always liked Leonard Williams coming out of USC. I thought he was going to be really good. I was really excited. I th- I saw. Uh, I don't know what the comp would have been back then when he would have got drafted. Um, but I saw a guy that was able to eat up a lot of double team blocks. I felt like he was going to stop the run very well. But he's also very athletic. I thought he was going to be a very good pass rusher coming out of USC. I was like, this is a guy that could flex out to DN to give you some edge pressure if you really need to. Like if I if I threw him onto the Washington Football Team with how much depth they have at DT, I know I could slide Leonard Williams to end, and I'd be perfectly fine. The reason he slips out of this top 10 is exactly that. We haven't seen the ceiling as a pass rusher yet. Now, whether it's something that he's struggling with mentally, physically, or maybe he's good at pass rushing, but only when he's on the outside. So you can get a guy that's a run stuffer in the middle, but you slide him out to the outside and he can give you edge pressure, which is very, very versatile, but... We're talking about the top 10 interior defensive linemen today. I, we're not talking about what happens when I slide slide that guy out to the edge. Excuse me. So, Leonard Williams is going to fall out of the top 10, probably the 11 or 12 spot. Another guy for me, close to my heart, Calais Campbell, is going to be a, a honorable mention for me. There's a couple reasons why he did uh, get hurt a little bit last year. He had a calf injury for four or five games. Uh, took him out of the season for a little bit, and also his production did drop. He's not as an elite level of a player as he used to be. Granted, he is 35. That's expected. Once you hit the 33, 34, 35, your the decline eventually starts somewhere in that three-year window. He made it to the tail end. He was a very, very elite inside and outside edge rusher and run stopper for his entire career up until 35 years old so he's still obviously very good to fall inside the top 12 guys top 15 guys that we're going to talk about another reason that i slid him is because baltimore flexes him out to the edge a lot you don't see him a lot on the inside they like putting brandon williams in the middle and letting Calias use his length and his size on the edge to to create edge pressure. So when we're talking about top 10 D linemen, I don't think Kalias Kim would finish top 10 just because now we're adding all the DNs in the mix, but he's definitely up there with a guy that can do it all. I can stick him in the middle and get run stop. And I can even get some pass rush from the middle as well. And I stick him on the outside. I know I'm going to get a great 
guy that's going to set the edge in the run game, and I know he's going to create some pressure off tackles as well. Being 6'7", one of the bigger linemen in the game, one of the taller linemen in the game, he just he could do so many things for you. So Calais Campbell is a Swiss Army knife, but with the age becoming a factor, and also there's just a lot of there's a lot of really good interior linemen in today's day and age. So that's another reason why he falls off the list for me. So starting at top 10, hopping from one AFC North team to the other, from my favorite team to my least favorite team, we're hopping over into uh, into Pittsburgh, into Pittsburgh for the Steelers. I'm going to put Stephon Tuitt at number 10 on my list. Uh, Stephon Tuitt is another guy that does just about anything you can ask for him. Um, just a small spoiler alert for you. He's not the only Pittsburgh Steeler on this list. That should show you how good their defense is and especially how good it was last year. Um he was a, he had 71 QB pressures last season, which ranked second at interior linemen, only behind Aaron Donald himself. Which spoiler alert, just in case Donald is also on this list somewhere. I'm not going to completely give it away where he's at, um, you know, but Aaron Donald's on here somewhere. So uh, to it, having the second most pressures behind Donald is obviously a big thing. Now, obviously. I would love to put him higher. When you look at that stat by itself, you're thinking this guy has to be higher. The thing that you have to take into account is one of the two things I just said. He's not the only stealer on this list, which means they get pressure and they get D-line help from the interior, the other interior spot on their line in their 4-3 defense. And also, another spoiler, on the edge rushers list, there's a guy named TJ Watt. He's pretty good. He'll be on that list. So when you have three guys that are going to rank top 10 at their position when it comes to getting into the backfield, whether it's in the run game or the pass game, your your numbers may look really, really good, but it's because they can't give you number one attention. And that's we'll talk about Aaron Donald. I'll talk about why he's remained at that top spot, even through production dips every once in a while. But we'll talk about him when we get there. So two, it comes in at 10 on my list. Um with how with how good they were last year, also Tyson Alulu stepped up on that Pittsburgh line. It just it create like I want to say like a three headed monster, but Tyson Alulu was very good. Robert Spillane played very well. Like Pittsburgh's defense had a peak year last year. Now, will Pittsburgh's defense be top ten in twenty twenty one? Personally, I don't think so. I think they'll still be top fifteen, top twenty for sure. But I definitely think you're going to see a very large dip in production. I'm not saying they won't make top 10. I'm saying if they do, it's going to be 7, 8, 10, 7, 8, 9, 10. Um, the cornerback play isn't great. And they just they had a lot of guys that popped at the perfect time. Like Tyson Alulu came in, is going to be a guy that plays third string defensive tackle, maybe get a couple snaps at the edge. He'll come in on goal line sets. 33-year-old vet, just kind of a rotational piece. He turned in a top 10 performance on the entire interior defensive line, according to Pro Football Focus's grades last year. Like He came in and played like an absolute animal. Robert Spillane came up when Devin Bush got hurt. He played like a dog. Alex Smith came up. He played like a dog. Minka Fitzpatrick had a top five safety season. He's a dog. Like, Pittsburgh had it last year. The issue is, is I'm not going to bet on Tyson Alulu, Robert Spillane, Alex Highsmith. Now, do I think those guys may take a step forward? Yes, because two of those guys, I think the two linebackers are very young. But, like, it was a it was a perfect storm for Pittsburgh last year. And the reason I can tell you and why I feel so confident about Pittsburgh defense and Pittsburgh's team as a whole being a perfect storm last year is because it ended after 11 games. 
They went 11-0 and and lost five of their last six, including the loss to the Browns in the playoffs. So you can't tell me that there's not at least some inclination of a drop-off coming because we saw it at the end of last year. Now, granted, their offense had a lot to do with that as well as far as it comes to the overall team, but I just don't think that they can get... Like, you don't get a free agent signing on a one-year, two-, three-million-dollar deal to be a rotational guy and him pop to be a top-15 guy. That may happen once in a blue moon, if that. That doesn't happen often. There's no way, I, in my opinion, there's no way in hell that that happens again. And it doesn't happen with three or four players. So, And also, I just don't think their depth at corner is enough to get it done in the long run. So, a little bit off track. That was my Pittsburgh Steelers spiel. Um, so, Stefan Tuitt's at 10 on my list. I'm going to jump to a guy that I have a lot of love for. Um, one of my favorite interior linemen in the entire league. Um, going to jump out to Washington, head towards the football team. I want to talk about Jonathan Allen for a second. Now, again, this is another guy that for the first two to three years of his career has kind of gotten lost in the mix. Like I said, the Washington football team had the best defensive line in the entire league. There's not a debate to be had. I promise you this right now. When you are looking at just your defensive line, whether you run a 3-4 or a 4-3, whether you start four guys across that line and you start three, this is the best defensive line in football. There's not a debate to be had. Because in their 4-3 set, I have Chase Young, perimetering on one edge i have montez sweat on the other those are two very very speedy edge rushers that know how to bend tackles and create leverage off the edge and force you up into the pocket guess what you want to step up into the pocket i've got the trio of jonathan allen matthew ionitis and De'Aaron Payne that are all very very good and tim settle can come in and surprise a couple people especially on goal line sets as well like and and they had ryan kerrigan at one point which in his last season before he left, they bumped down into that 4-3 DN spot as well. So, like, they are, they are, what is that, five deep? Five deep, yeah, I know how to count. Five deep across the defensive line. And Jonathan Allen, to me, is the best guy on this uh, on their defensive line. Um, he is the only two, he is one of the only two defenders to record a higher pass rush grade on truer pass sets. I read that wrong. I apologize. This is the one time I'm trying to like read stats and put it in here to try to make the list better. And I just, apparently I don't know how to read. I may know how to count, but I don't know how to read. There's only two guys last year that had more, that had a higher pass rush grade on true pass sets than Jonathan Allen last year. That was Aaron Donald and Chris Jones. I promise you, again, spoiler, those two guys are on this list. I'm not going to exactly disclose where at, but they're both on this list. So when you can... When you can generate that much pressure, again, it comes back to the same stat that I brought up about Stefan Tuitt. Like, when you can put yourself in the conversation when it comes to interior pass rushers, if the conversation is Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, and yourself, or just Aaron Donald and yourself, you're doing pretty damn good for yourself. Like, you're definitely going to be on a top 10 list. You should be on all top 10 lists, in my opinion. Jonathan Allen had a great year last year, a breakout year. He's going into his fifth year option year this year. Contract year, this is time to prove it. Now, again, I think Washington may be hesitant to pay him because, like I said, you're you, you're deep. You know, you lose Jonathan Allen, yes, it may be a hit, but I still have Matthew Ioannidis and De'Aaron Payne, who's still going to be probably, if you're looking at a 4-3, it's probably the best one-two punch you can get on the inside in the entire league, still, without Jonathan Allen. Now, obviously, if you can keep him around, that's definitely a bonus. Like I said, he is the best defensive lineman amongst those three, and honestly, I think when it... Mm, 
I can't say he's a better pass rusher than Chase Young. But when it comes to pass rushing on the inside, yes. But that's just because Chase Young doesn't line up on the inside. Um, I love Jonathan Allen. He is a stud animal. Eats up blocks in the run games. Like I said, gets after the pass. uh, Gets after the quarterback extremely well with the best of them. The only thing I don't like about Jonathan Allen, and he is, I think, one of the only two, if not three, players in the entire league to still wear a half cage on his face mask, which is the big, ugly lineman face masks, except he's got the bar that runs right in between the middle of his eyes. Right where your visor goes in that gap, he's got that bar that comes right down the middle. It's the only thing I don't like about Jonathan Allen is his face mask, uh, and that should say a lot coming from uh, a guy that loves to watch football and loves to analyze the game of defensive linemen. That's the only thing I don't like about Jonathan Allen. Um so, two at 10, Allen at 9. Take a trip down to Tampa Bay to the defending Super Bowl champions. I'm going to put Vita Vea uh, at my 8 spot. Uh, is another guy that had a really, really good year. Um, it's very rare to find a QB or find, find a DT that can get after the quarterback in addition to eating blocks as well as he can. But. He is he is he is another guy that's the full package. He's not as good of a pass rusher as maybe a Chris Jones and Aaron Donald or Jonathan Allen or Stephon Tuitt, but he's very very good at, at he. The thing about the, about Vita Vea that stands out is the efficiency of his his pass rush sets. Like Aaron Donald, Stephon Tuitt, you know the four or five guys I just named may get to the QB more often, may create more pressures more QB hurry-ups, all these things. But he is one, Vita Vea is one of the three players with a pass rush win rate above 15% when lined up or shading the center since 2019. This guy does it at a high level. He does it at a high efficiency. So that's the thing is he's able to eat up double teams, eat up triple teams in the run game, stuff up gaps, take away run lanes from running backs, and he's still able when he goes into those pass sets to create a decent amount of pressure, getting a 15% win rate, which doesn't sound like a lot. But when you're looking at a guy that, you know, if if a team throws the ball 40 times out of the 60 plays they run off at, say a team runs 60 plays, on 60 of those plays, 40 of them are pass plays. On those 40 plays, I don't even know what 15, I don't know why I picked such a weird number to try to do 15% of, but like 20% of 40, I still, again, my math is just, I've been out of school for a while, and also it's kind of late, so my head's not running at full efficiency. Bottom line, for all you mathematicians out there, 15% is a pretty solid rate when you're looking at something that happens every single play during a football game or every other play during a football game. If I can look at 100 plays, 60 of them are pass plays, and then 15% of those, I'm still looking at a pretty high margin, especially if I'm one of the three guys to do it. You're like, 15% is not that, not that impressive. I'd be like, well, Aaron Donald only has 12%. All of a sudden, 15% is very, very impressive. Um, I hope you like Aaron Donald, or at least that you don't dislike Aaron Donald, because we're going to talk about him quite a bit. Um, it's kind of impossible to do this list without mentioning his name. He is the measuring stick for all defensive tackles in the league for now, for years to come. And honestly, for the foreseeable future, he may be the measuring stick for all defensive linemen forever uh, at this rate. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about Aaron Donald. We'll get to him when we get to him, but trust me, I'm going to go on for at least four or five, if not ten minutes, about how good Aaron Donald is. Um, so far, we got Tuit at ten, Jonathan Allen at nine, Vita Vea will come in at eight. Seven on my list. 
Another guy that's very near and dear to my heart. I get him in Madden a lot for some reason. I had a, I landed him in Madden in one league. I ended up drafting him in a fantasy league in the other. Love to have this guy on my defense in Madden, and I would love to have him on my defense in real life. Uh, taking the trip up to Green Bay, I want Kenny Clark is going to fall in at my seven spot on my list. The thing about Kenny Clark, and the reason why we'll put him above Vita Vea is probably honestly just a little bit of bias. Like I said, I like uh, I like Kenny Clark a lot, and those two guys are really like a, a they are mentioned in the same sentence quite a bit because they do a lot of the same things. Um, when you look at Kenny Clark and his pressures against the quarterbacks, he had 65 pressures last year when lined up as a zero or a one tech since entering the league in 2016, not last year in 2016. Um, when you look at those 65 pressures since 2016, when lined up at the zero or the one tech, now granted we're getting real technical now, there may be a lot of people that don't know what that means. To be 100% honest with you, with how much brain function I'm working right now, I'm not 100% sure what all that means. But what you should know, since 2016, 65 pressures in those spots, that is 10 more than the closest guy to him. Which that includes guys like Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, guys like Vita Vea, Leonard Williams, all these guys. Now, maybe some of those guys haven't played since 2016, but since 2016, that's your stat to read. Um, he, he does it extremely well. He does it at a very high level. And the thing about Kenny Clark is, honestly, I think he might be... His, his numbers do inflate a little bit because they do have a very, very talented... I don't care what anyone says. Green Bay has a very, very talented front seven. They have a top three corner in the game as well in Jerry Alexander. When you look at the front seven, man, Zadarius Smith is extremely talented. Uh, drafted by Baltimore. I knew him very well before he signed in Green Bay. He's very good. Preston Smith is extremely good. And Kenny Clark is very good. So when you can have, again, it comes back to that Washington football scheme. When you can have guys that come on contains and bend the edge and force quarterbacks up into the pocket, and you have a DT that knows how to create pressure or at least get halfway around the block and scare the living crap out of any quarterback that is within 10 feet of this guy, you're going to have a pretty good defense in the long run. And Kenny Clark is instrumental to what they do. The Packers have had a history of very good Defensive tackles, especially in the last 10 to 15 years, B.J. Raji being the other big name uh, back from their Super Bowl run in 2009, 2008, 2010, somewhere in there, whenever Aaron Rodgers got his only one ring. Um, If you want to know my rant and how I feel about the whole Aaron Rodgers and the Packers situation and the Packers franchise for the last 25 to 30 years, you can hit my DMs. I'll Snapchat you. I'll send you a voice message. I'll let you know what the deal is. I have a very strong opinion about the Packers and who's to blame for the whole Aaron Rodgers debacle and for Packers fans in general. So, I mean, if you're a Packers fan and you want to hear, or if you just want to hear in general, man, let me know. Um, I can try to mention it on a show if there's really that much demand for it. But if it's just a one-off thing, you're like, hey, I'm curious to see what the hell he's talking about. I don't want to get into it because I will spiel. I know I'm spieling for two minutes about how much I'd spiel about it, but I would I would go on for at least another ten minutes about why I think the Green Bay Packers are where they are and why they keep having issues with their players in the long run. So, Kenny Clark, right above him, staying in the NFC, traveling to another division, obviously. Um, a guy that plays against Tampa Bay twice a year. A guy that plays in Atlanta. Grady Jarrett. 
uh, is coming in at the next spot on my list. Grady Jarrett falls at the sixth spot on my list. Um, Grady Jarrett is the unsung hero of a lot of horrible Atlanta Falcons defenses. Uh, when you look at the level of talent that, that Grady Jarrett possesses, and you take take Deion Jones out because he's Deion Jones isn't a top ten linebacker right now. I think the potential is one hundred and fifteen percent there. I love Deion Jones's game. Take Deion Jones out the field. You look at Grady Jarrett versus the rest of this defense. I'm talking Grady Jarrett's an All Pro DT, and the rest of his teammates are like Pop Warner kids. Like Grady Jarrett is Aaron Donald. If I stuck him on the worst defense in NFL history, like, and the Falcons' defense isn't that bad. I'm overstating how bad they are, but you understand what I'm saying. That this guy is very, very productive in the middle of the line when it comes to stopping the run. When it comes to eating up double teams, plugging gaps before running backs can hit the hole, and getting to the quarterback, Grady Jarrett does all four of those things extremely well, but it's it's like having a six-cylinder engine and only two of the cylinders work. You, you could call it a six-cylinder engine, but if you're running on two, it's a two-cylinder engine. You ain't getting far either, I'll tell you that much. Um He's coming off four straight seasons uh, with a pro football focus grade above 80 or higher um, with more than capable of winning his matchups in both the run game and as a pass rusher. He had 57 pressures last year, which is a career high for him. Um, Yeah, it was a career high for him. I thought it was like a, a team record too. I was trying to make sure I was reading it right. Career high for him in pass rushes. So the, the sky's the limit for Grady Jarrett. And the thing that makes it so impressive for him, for him to get 57 pressures last year, I just talked to you about how bad the defense is, and I just talked to you two or three times about how your stats can look better if you play with a more talented defense. This guy's numbers look great regardless of who's around him. The Atlanta does not, you know, the best pass rusher in Atlanta is? Honestly, I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head. I'd probably say like Dante Fowler Jr., who is a bust. As much as I love the guy, he's a bust. Like... So the fact that you can be the number one edge rusher and not only be the number one, but not really have a supporting cast around you and still put up the numbers that Grady Jarrett is, is beyond believable. Um, It's, I don't even know where to start. The only reason that Grady Jarrett isn't higher on this list is because we're entering really, really special territory with the next five guys. The next five guys just do it at a whole nother level. Um, and I think Grady Jarrett has a chance to reach that level. I think he honestly will. If they get him a secondary edge rusher where he's not the only guy that the offensive line has to worry about, I think Grady Jarrett enters this conversation and is in competition for the top five spots. But as of right now, he's falling just on the outside of it. But I know damn well that he can, he can crack that top five eventually. So for number five on my list... Staying in the NFC again. I think it is very weird now. I'm looking back at my list. I'm looking at 10 through 5. Stephon Tuitt being 10. Jonathan Allen is 9. Vita Vea is 8. Kitty Clark is 7. Grady Jarrett is 6. I'm looking at that list, and those that's four NFC DTs right there and one AFC guy. Um... Stephon Tuitt's the only guy in the AFC to make the list so far. And looking at number five, we're going to stay in the NFC again. Uh, I'm going to head out to the city of brotherly love, 
should come to, as a surprise to no one, Fletcher Cox coming in at five on my list. The only surprising thing about Fletcher Cox being at five is that he is not higher. Um, Fletcher Cox did have himself a down year last year. Uh, the only reason you can really call it a down year is just because of how good he's been uh, in the past four to five years. Um, he's definitely by far, now granted, there's not much of a competition to be had when it comes to best DT uh, for obvious reasons of who the best is. But this has been Aaron Donald's biggest competition for the number one spot for the last four to five years. Fletcher Cox is that guy and has been that guy uh, since 2014. Um, he ranks second amongst all de- interior defensive linemen in total pressures over the last five seasons with 302. Um, now, granted, that number, you, you have to realize, 302 pressures in five years is very, very good. But 2018, he had 95, which is absolutely unheard of at the defensive tackle spot. Um and that's also the only year in the last five years that Aaron Donald was not the one guy. Uh, that's the only time that Aaron Donald was not the best defensive tackle, according to Pro Football Focus, in the last five years, was in 2018 when Fletcher Cox stole the top spot for having 95 pressures from the inside, which is probably one of the best single seasons we've ever seen by a defensive tackle ever. Like, when you look at the best 10 defensive tackle seasons of all time, Aaron Donald probably falls in that category three or four times with different seasons. And then Fletcher Cox is up there as well with that 2018 season. Obviously, not at that same level these days. Age is starting to get to him as well. But he's still a very, very talented guy. Um, he does things at a very high level. Like I said, the, the, the pass rushing speaks for itself. Um, he gets to the quarterback very, very efficiently. And the thing is, is even if he does not hit you, even if he doesn't get a QB hit, he doesn't get a sack, QB pressures is what Fletcher Cox does best. He gets within five yards and you're not throwing the ball in a straight line. That's what Fletcher Cox does. He instills, I don't know what it is. It's the size, whether it's his ugly Zenith helmet. I don't know what it is. But something about Fletcher Cox getting past your offensive line quarterbacks just don't throw accurately even less accurately than they do when they run into another dt in the obviously having aaron donald chase you down is not a fun thing to do either but for some reason fletcher cox just has that imposing will when he gets into your backfield and obviously being the stature and the size that he is obviously eating up run blocks is an easy part of the game to him uh he's another guy that benefits from having a decent supporting cast around him with brandon graham also on that defensive line uh allows him to be able to sit back and guard the run a little bit more. And then once he realizes it's a pass set, he can really go to work and have his fun and do what he does best and get back to the QB. So Fletcher Cox, still very, very talented, but a down 2020 year drops him to the five spot. Um, Moving forward, finally, back into the AFC we go. Cam Hayward. The other stealer on the list. There's your spoiler from earlier. Stephon Tua falls at 10. Cam Hayward is at 4 on my list. I think that should tell you how good and why the Steelers' defense was so good in the 2020 season. Um, he's logged 3,416 snaps over the last four seasons, which is fourth at the position. And he's also graded at about a 92 which falls just short of Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, and Fletcher Cox over that span. So you're looking at why he's at four. There's your exact reason. The guy puts in fourth most amount of snaps in those four years, 
and also is graded out as the fourth best DT over that time frame. He's stayed the course. He's honestly gotten a little bit better. That's why he's coming in above Fletcher Cox on these lists, especially on my list. Um, you can't really find many faults with this game. Like I said, if, if you're a top five defensive tackle in the league, it's because you do all things well. No one is in the top five because he's the best run stopper or because he's the best pass rusher. You get in the top five and you get in the top ten because I am top five at pass rushing and I'm top ten at at run stopping or vice versa. I'm the best pass rusher and I'm the eighth best run stopper. Like That's how you get into this list. So I know that that's a broken record and I keep saying that about everybody, but that is the truth. These guys eat up blocks. They eat double teams. They get into the backfield. They tackle you for a loss. They hit your running back before he's ready to be hit, and they take down your quarterback when he's not looking. Uh, Like I said, Cam Hayward, still extremely talented. Probably should be at the three spot. But like I said, when you have guys that can also contribute in the pass rush, when I'm looking at Stephon Tewitt and T.J. Watt, who are both top ten players at their position when it comes to getting back to the quarterback as well, it does hurt you a little bit. And that's why I dropped them to to four on my list. As for three, uh, probably my favorite, it's very hard for me not to say Aaron Donald's not my favorite DT in the league, but outside of Aaron Donald, this is my favorite defensive tackle in the league. I love this guy. I wish he suited up in purple on Sundays for the Ravens. Um, going to the Colts, DeForest Buckner. Um, the Colts traded for him prior to the 2020 season, and it is exactly what they needed. Uh, they landed DeForest Buckner. He had a Pro Bowl year. He had an All-Pro year. I don't care what the, the committee say. I don't care what the voters say. DeForest Buckner had a top five. In my opinion, he had a top three defensive tackle year last year. DeForest Buckner walked into a new system, walked into a new city, onto a new team, and took the Colts from being a very, very good defense and took the Colts to being a very, very elite defense. The Colts took another step when DeForest Buckner walked through the door. Uh, that is why he is this high on my list. Um, he graded out at an 89.6 uh, last year, which is a career high, and fifth amongst qualifiers uh, on the interior. He ranks third in the position in both sacks and quarterbacks' hits since entering the league in 2016. Um, they don't have a lot of edge rush help in Indy right now. They have a lot of young guys that could uh, they could. Uh, Contribute. There it is. I was going to say qualify. That doesn't make sense. Contribute. Quiddy Pay, obviously their first rounder this year being one. Hopefully getting Bobby Okariki and Darius Leonard involved in the pass rush a little bit. Probably won't happen, but a man can dream. Uh, DeForest Buckner just does it all, man. Another guy that uses his size to advantage comes in a, around the 6'4", 6'5". I want to say even taller than that, Mark. Uh, Defoe just eats up blocks. Some guys do it size when it comes like Vince Wilfork did it because... Vince Wilfork could cover the A-gap and the B-gap just because his gut was that big. DeForest Buckner, guys like DeForest Buckner and Calais Campbell can do it because their wingspan's that long. He can just eat up blocks. He can eat up gaps, eat up holes before the running back can get him. Defoe can do... Defoe is that guy in the run game. And when it comes to the pass, like I said... Offensive lines, usually you're taller, you're bigger guys. You're taller and agile guys play on the outside. You have your big maulers that play at the guard spots. And then you have still a mauler but a, a finesse guy at center. So when he's lining up on these big guys in the middle and he could just leverage his way past 
there's just nothing you could do about it. DeForest Buckner turned in the top three year last year defensively and took the Colts from a top 15, top 10 defense to a top five defense. A, a top five, no question defense. Uh, their secondary isn't great. We'll see how badly losing Malik Hooker and some guys in their secondary is going to hurt their pass rush this year. But when it comes to pressures and and what you can do in the middle of the field, DeForest Buckner is going to produce no matter who is around him. Um, into the two boring spots um, on the list. When I say boring, I simply mean we all probably knew who the top two guys were going to be coming into this. You know, you could kind of argue about 10 through 3. The top two guys aren't really a debate, and I don't think there's a debate to be had on who's 1 and 2 either. Uh, coming in at 2 is going to be Chris Jones of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I've talked about pass rushing and how well you could create pressure from the inside of your defensive line for the last like 30 minutes. And this is a guy that honestly may do it the best. The only the only bad thing and the only downside, the only thing that holds Chris Jones back is that he plays in the league the same time that Aaron Donald does. Um, he has comfortably been the second best interior pass rusher in the league behind Aaron Donald over the past three years. Uh, he's earned ninety plus pass rushing grades every year since twenty eighteen, and he put up a ninety three graded pass rushing year last year, which is second amongst all defenders. He also recorded 32 sacks and 49 quarterback hits in the last two seasons. He is that guy in Kansas City. Uh, Chris Jones can be flexed out to defensive end if you really want to. If you if you have good DTs and you want to flip him out and get some edge rush in, you can do that. He, he has the talent to move out to the tackles and still hold his own. He can do it against centers. He can do it against guards. He can do it against tight ends. It doesn't matter who you put in front of him. Chris Jones is probably going to hit your quarterback at least three to four times a game, whether he has the ball in his hands or not. Um, they added Frank Clark which as much as Chiefs fans, some Chiefs fans may not like him or may like him. Frank Clark is definitely another name and a guy that you have to pay attention when it comes to pass rushing. Opens up some windows for Chris Jones and vice versa. Frank Clark sitting next to uh, to Chris Jones opens up some windows for him as well. Like I said, the more the merrier when it comes to pass rushing. Um, Chris Jones is, has done it at an extremely high level. The only knock that you have against Chris Jones is that Aaron Donald's just better. Aaron Donald, not better, but Aaron Donald is the best. Um, so to recap, actually, no, we'll talk about one. We'll recap at the end. We'll give you the big bow on it at the end because I already mentioned this guy 18 times. We all knew he was going to be at the number one spot. There's a reason he's the cover of the bonus. There's a reason that you never stop talking about uh, 99 in L.A. Aaron Donald is that that guy. Um there is no one that compares to what Aaron Donald has done since he's entered the league in 2014. Over those seven years, he ranks first in in pass rush grade with a 96 grade over seven seasons, 579 total pressures, and 206 pass rush wins without a pressure. He's never earned a run defense grade lower than 89. So like I said, he's the best pass rushing DT in the league, and he's still a top 10, top 5 run stopper in the league. Um, when you when you look at the production, now those numbers, all those numbers I just met, whether you understood them or not, whether you like them or not, whether you trust pro football focus or not, all those numbers are extremely impressive when you look at them. You're like, holy cow, this guy does it. 
The thing that you really, really, really take into account, and even if his production does drop, is dropping, was whatever, the reason that Aaron Donald will, will, will be at this list, the top of this list no matter what, is because he puts up those numbers against single teams, against double teams, and sometimes against triple teams. Aaron Donald can do it all. This is a guy that I just talked about why guys like DeForest Buckner and Calais Campbell can be good, why Vince Wilfork can be good. The reason Aaron Donald is good is because he is small. Everyone always said he was undersized it was going to hurt him in the league. You can get away with being an undersized D-end because you can use your your low center of gravity to really bend the edge against a lot of taller tackles. Short DTs don't happen that often. You don't get short, talented defensive tackles. It doesn't happen that often. But this guy starts his bench press workout at 400 pounds, practices, you know, works on his pass rush moves while his trainer has knives taped to his hands. And I you know, like, I was going to keep going, but I don't really think I do. I mean, like, does those, do those two things equate to you? This guy gets in the gym. He's like, all right, I'm going to time to warm up. Let me throw 400 pounds on the bench press real quick. He's like, all right, I've just worked out for four hours. Let's go hit the, you know, the turf field. I've got my trainer. He's got knives taped to his hands, and I'm going to see how how clean I can keep my arms. Are you kidding me? This guy is otherworldly. Aaron Donald is is by far and away the best defensive player in the league in today's game. There's not a doubt. Now, people that were saying that T.J. Watt may have deserved Defensive Player of the Year last year, this is the same thing as when you look in the NBA, you look at LeBron James versus Giannis this last year or KD the year before or Steph in 2016. Those guys may have won the MVP. Those guys may have won the awards, may have got the accolades, won the title, finals MVP. But we all know who the best player in the game is. T.J. Watt could have won Defensive Player of the Year last year, and I don't think a lot of people wouldn't have turned their noses up at it. But we know who the best defensive player in the game. He is by far and away the best defensive player in the game. He is honestly probably the best player in the entire league. And I'm going to say it right here and right now. I believe Aaron Donald is the greatest defensive lineman to ever touch a football field. When it's all said and done, this guy is going to be king, kingpin, top of the hill, king of the mountain, whatever you want to say, whatever cliche accolade you want to throw on it. Aaron Donald is going to be the best defensive lineman when he retires of all time. There's going to be nobody. This is a guy I love watching pass rushers go to work. I love guys like Deacon Jones, Mean Joe Green, Vince Wilfork. I love breaking down, especially defensive linemen that know how to get to the quarterback when it comes to pass rushing. That was my favorite thing growing up. That was my favorite thing to do when I played the game was get after the QB. I was horrible when it came to reading blocks. That's why I never lasted long on a high school football field because when they went to run block, stretch, dive, whatever it was, trap runs, I was getting eaten alive. All I wanted to do was get to the quarterback. That was my favorite thing. So to sit back and watch a guy that can do it at such a high level is so, so impressive. And I put him, I know that they play different positions, but he is in that same category as Bruce Smith and Reggie White when it comes to getting after the quarterback. Aaron Donald does it at that high of a level, and I think he will continue to do it at that high of a level until he hangs it up. He will be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and you may not think he's the best defensive lineman of all time, but you have to agree that he is at least in the conversation. So that's going to do it 
for a top 10 DTs list. Thank you guys for listening. If you made it this far, I thank you twice as much as everybody else. No offense to everybody else, but hey, man, you get to the bottom of the list. You get to the bottom of the list. I appreciate you. So to cap it off, we had our two honorable mentions being Leonard Williams and Kalias Campbell, Stefan Tewitt at 10, Jonathan Allen at 9, Vita Vea and Kenny Clark at at 8 and 7, respectively, Grady Jarrett at 6, and then Fletcher Cox, Cameron Hayward, DeForest Buckner, Chris Jones at 2, Aaron Donald rounds out the top 10 at the 1 spot, to no one's surprise. So that's our top 10 DTs. Before we go today, probably should have talked about this at the top of the show. Um, You know what? No. I'm going to save it. Because I should talk about it at the top of the show. For all those that made it this far and that are that are going to miss this announcement for right now, keep your eyes locked. When it comes to the edge rushing bonus, if you don't have time or you don't like edge rushers, maybe like I don't like how the game's going on like edge rushers, I only like DTs, listen to the first 10 minutes because I have some very, very big news that we're going to talk about. I should have talked about it at the top of today's episode. I apologize. I let you guys down. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled. We still got... Was it one, two, three, four bonuses left for the defensive side? And we will get, despite being off schedule, which again is my fault. Like I said, guys, I'm not going to lie. I have been a lot busier lately, but there's no excuse. I have procrastinated and put off a lot of this stuff in my free time. I've had time to do it. Um, Not as much time, but I've had time, and I decided not to. So I apologize. That is from the bottom of my heart, I apologize to you guys if you're looking forward to this. So we are behind schedule, but I will preview my divisions. There may be a couple things that the league, you know, the season may have started by the time I get through all the divisions, but I will get through all of them, and I will have the record predictions done before the season starts. No cheating will happen there, and I promise you that I will have that every single game for the NFL season predicted before the season starts. So with that being said, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Keep your eyes open. Four bonuses to go. Season two on the way. And a lot more to come for BDL soon.